Welcome to the Cheapskate Show, everybody. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest. The CEO of Raise is here to tell us about Slide, an intriguing new cashback app that's not like the others. Can you say 4% back on every purchase? We're also going to dive into some free alternatives to Microsoft Office and show you a cheap way to stop those dang masks from fogging up your glasses. Hallelujah. I'm Rick Broida, CNET Senior Commerce Editor, but better known as the Cheapskate. And joining me, as always, is my faithful sidekick, my Andy Richter, if you will, Dave Johnson. Hi, Dave. Well, unlike you, apparently I control the universe. No one is going to know what that means. That was a great show. Do you remember Andy Richter left the show with Conan, and then he went and he had like maybe a two-season show called Andy Richter Controls the Universe. It was a great show. You know, I do remember that show, now that you mention it. <laughs> I thought you were referring to our other podcast, Dave, that we have called Rick and Dave Control the Universe. Do you not remember those early conversations when we were trying to fine-tune the name of the show? I said that if we called it Dave and Rick Control the Universe, it's an homage to the Andy Richter show. How am I supposed to remember anything? <laughs> and it's Rick, it's Rick and Dave Control the Universe, by the way. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, all right, so before we jump into the main event today, and I just want to preface this by saying, oh, it's an interview with some company CEO, sounds super boring. Uh, you know what? This was actually a really cool interview, and we learned some cool stuff about uh, a really cool app that I'm excited about. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's something much more important to talk about. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Dave, 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 Dave. Any interesting product announcements last week? Oh, good grief. Well, let's set aside the, the Xbox and the PlayStation stuff. Just put that off to the side because the only thing that's worth talking about is the new Oculus Quest 2. Oculus Quest was the best VR headset and really stood a chance of, like, going mainstream. But this is the one that's going to push it over the edge, don't you think? I, I absolutely do think, and the reason that we are, quote, allowed to talk about it on this podcast is that Facebook took the amazing step of reducing the price of this thing. The original Quest 399 starts at 399. The Oculus Quest 2, despite having mostly better hardware, 299, Dave. Yeah, it's got almost twice the resolution. It's 2K per eye. Basically, it's a 4K screen across both eyes. And it's a little bit lighter. It has a much faster processor. The controllers have a battery life that's supposed to be many times longer than the existing ones, which you just look at the controller and, and the battery needs to be replaced. <laughs> I could go on, but despite all of those things, you're right. It's $100 cheaper and... If you want to get the higher-end Quest 2 that comes with 256 gigabytes of memory, it's only an extra $100. It's just win, win, win. You can't stop winning with this thing. <laughs> yes, uh, I am just as excited about it as you are. And I suspect, I firmly, I mean... The previous Quest has been in and out of stock all over the place for months now. Um, it's like the perfect antidote to the pandemic, really. So I'm not surprised it's been selling well. This is going to be the like one of the hot holiday items, hard to come by. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Facebook can keep up with the demand because, again, at this price, 
this is by far I mean they they had a, a 199 like Oculus Go but it was nowhere near what this thing is. So for two ninety nine, you're getting a candle to it for sure. Right. So this, I really do believe, is going to help the push to make VR pretty mainstream. And you know, let's be honest, these things are really best for games. I mean, you can use them for certain fitness applications and a couple of other things. Um, but but for games, they're just amazing. And oh my gosh, folks. Put this on your list for this year because it's amazing. I've already pre-ordered mine. <laughs> no no doubt you have. And all the extras that go with it, I'm guessing. All right. So, everybody, let us know what you think. Are you planning to get the Oculus Quest 2? Why or why not? Why don't you reach out and let us know? The address is cheapskateshow at cbsinteractive.com. Our first ever guest on the Cheap Skate Show podcast is Jay Klaumanzer, CEO of a company called Raise. Now, you might have heard of it. Raise is a marketplace for buying and selling discounted gift cards. But the company also has a new app called Slide. And this is one of the more interesting cashback solutions we've seen yet. Now, regular cheapskate readers and listeners know I'm all about the cashback. So I'm really excited about this chat. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Jay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we're very excited. Uh, so before we jump into Slide, just tell us a little bit about Raise, because I know that came first. Who is that service for? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So Raise has been around coming up on eight years now, and it started to solve a pretty big problem here in the U.S., which is unwanted and unused gift cards. And what we did was create a marketplace for that. So if you had, you know, your junk drawer filled with cards that you don't plan on using, you could list them on raise, set your discount. And then on the flip side, consumers can come in and buy those at a discount and save a little bit of money for themselves. So it was solving it on both sides. People got some cash for their unused cards. And then on the flip side, consumers could save some money for themselves. And so I think we really invented the notion of self-use of gift cards. Historically, people think that I'm going to buy a gift card to give to somebody. Uh, in most of our cases, actually, people are buying it for themselves and they're using it to save money and make their make their money go further. The original tagline was give yourself a raise. Uh, so that's a little bit about the company. Personally, I only buy things for myself. So it re it really works out well in that case. <laughs> So uh, this is Dave, uh, Jay, and uh, let's, if you don't mind, let's switch gears a little bit and move on to Slide. Now, uh, we know it's an app for Android and iOS, and it debuted, I think, just a few months ago. So can you give us the elevator pitch on Slide? Really straightforward. We give you instant cash back on every purchase that you make. Uh, and it's done simply in an app. You pick one of the retailers that we support, whether you're in-store or online. Uh, choose how much you want to spend, and within a second or two, you've got a barcode. And if you're in-store, you just hold up your phone, and it gets scanned, and you walk out. Or if you're online, we give you a code that you enter in, check, in checkout. And so instantly, everywhere you shop, you get 4%. And if you actually top up your account, so you can pre-fund your account, we'll give you an extra percent for that. So you can get up to 5% savings everywhere you shop. This is a tool that you use the app to make the purchase, right? Whereas, you know, uh, I, I can't go straight to the website and make the purchase. I have to use the app. Yeah. Uh, Slide is a mobile-only app designed for checkout and to be super fast, actually faster than credit cards if you measure the end-to-end -end transaction speed. And uh, you get a code. Like I said, you get a scan at checkout or you take that code from your phone and just type it on the website when you're, when you're at checkout. So this is where my uh, dummy nature is going to show through here a little bit because I'm just trying to understand like the what actually 
happens at checkout. I know you said that you're basically adding funds to the Slide app in order to make your purchase, but what is the the final step there between, you know, I don't have a credit card that I'm now inserting or anything like that. So how 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 are the funds coming from Slide to the store? Yeah, that's a great question. So we are gift card experts and we build the technology sitting on top of those exact payment rails. So effectively what's happening is you're buying a gift card for that merchant for the exact amount that you want to spend. And so if you're in the store, you just hold up your phone and they scan it much like they would a digital gift card. Or if you're online, you're taking that code and putting it in the gift card field. And so we are using gift cards as the underlying technology. Uh, it's super fast and super secure. Uh, and we were able to do it with direct integrations with our retail partners. I gotcha. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. So how many stores, uh, you said this works both in brick and mortar and online. So how many stores are you supporting now and what's coming down the pike? Yes, so there are about 150 total national brands on slide right now. About 130 of those actually have brick and mortar and 20 are online only. Uh, but we cover some of the biggest brands and biggest places you shop at. You know, we have a nearby tab. And so if I just click on that, there's 30 different stores within walking distance to my apartment. So it really is uh, getting to ubiquity. Uh, what's coming next is we're constantly adding new new brands to the platform. It's it's really become uh, well-liked within the retail space because, you know, it's trackable. It's a great marketing tool. There's targeting things like that, tools for retailers to actually reach out to their customers. So uh, what's next is constant uh, velocity of adding new brands to our portfolio. Um, so I'm curious, in our experience, we found that a lot of folks are just a little bit suspicious about cashback services because they have some concerns around privacy issues. So we're just curious what kind of information does Slide collect and how is that info used and what's your position on, on that kind of privacy? Yeah, absolutely. So privacy is very important to us. We don't sell or share individualized information, to be very blunt. We do collect some things to help the service operate better. Standard things like what's your location? Obviously, you have to give us permission to do that, but it helps us power our nearby tab. And we also understand how you're using the app and how you're traversing through the path. And that's really for us to be able to make the experience better as we go further. But that's, that's, that's really it. We are not selling any individual information at all. I think a lot of people will be very glad to hear that. Uh, <laughs> to Dave's point, when you know when we talk about cashback services or write about them, there's almost always pushback of users having concerns. You know, well, what's in it for this company, and what are they doing with my data, and they're they're tracking everything I buy, and they're selling it, and just all of these huge concerns, which you know may be legitimate in some cases, but what you're saying here is that none of that is happening. You're you're not selling any data, you're just collecting it for purposes of, of the app being able to function. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, you know, what I what I do want to say is at the individual level, we know what you purchased. And so we can build a kind of a profile of the things you like so that we can individualize your experience. But we are never giving that up to a retailer. So with regard to other types of cashback rewards that are out there, for instance, most people have a, a credit card uh, that might give them a point or two back on things that they buy. Does using Slide interfere with that at all, the, you know, the perks that you get from a credit card? And could you also use it in conjunction with a cashback service like Rakuten? Is there any way to double dip and put these two together? Yeah, so let's talk about those independently. So we are coded, and without getting into the details of how these rewards cards work, we are coded as a general retailer. And so to the extent your cashback card gives you cashback for retail, then absolutely you can you can load that up in our app. And if you, you'll get your cash back on your credit card. If you fund your account, instead of just charge your credit card at the purchase, we give you an extra percent. 
and you're getting 4% on the on the cashback side when you actually use it. So you add those up with some credit cards, you can get up to 7% cashback just for using our app when you combine your credit card and our app. Uh, with regards to some of the other kind of coupon sites, so I'll, I'll use Raise as an example because we have we have a coupon site as well. If you were to go through either with our browser extension or our website and you went to a, you know one of the retailers that we do support and you have a coupon that applies to that transaction, Absolutely. You stack slide on top of that. It just goes into that gift card field. There's no kind of Chinese wall between what the discounts are. And our most savvy shoppers are doing exactly that. They're finding the retailers that are giving them the incentive on a certain product or a certain category. Then they're using the slide app to get even even more cash back. So it really, when you start to do these things together, they seem small, but they really add up and make your dollar dollars go further. I like to think of it as, you know, if you're taking a vacation, we maybe can fund the extra night because you've used our app. Or, you know, back to school, we just went through it. Uh, maybe you can get an extra outfit if you're using our app. So uh, it really is a way to make your money go further. So, Jay, you obviously focus a lot on shopping. Do you have any money-saving tips that extend beyond using Slide for our readers? You know, I, you mentioned some of the other cashback apps. I, you know, if you're out there and you and you want to do the work to, to make money, I would absolutely install browser extensions like the Raise Coupons extension or some of the other some of the other ones you mentioned. So that everywhere you shop, you get those discounts and use our app. But there are other services like WikiBuy or Honey, as an example, that actually are tracking the price of goods over time, and you can know whether it's a good price or a bad price. And some. Like we actually will monitor the price within 30 days of your purchase because if some some retailers out there have a 30 day you know uh, matching guarantee if the price changes, we'll actually track that and you can be confident that whatever you're buying is not going to go on sale right afterwards and you get frustrated. So <laughs> I think it, it's you know do your homework, find lots of apps that can help and and don't be afraid to stack them together because each one has its individual niche that can help you save money. Jay, you're you're speaking cheapskate language right now. This is <laughs> this is all. Great stuff that we've uh, we've actually talked about uh, before, both in print and on the podcast. So thank you for that. This has been really great and uh, and very edifying. Um, I'm excited to start uh, trying out Slide myself because uh, you know again I'm I'm all about the cashback and I've I've tried a number of different things. Uh, this sounds like a very easy way to to save four percent or even five percent. Well, Jay, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with everything, and uh, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Jay. So, Rick, I have been spending for as long as I can possibly remember about $100 a year on Microsoft Office, Office 365. Do you do that? Dave, you're, you're killing me, man. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Because I need Office. How else no. am I going to get it? No, you don't need Office. All right. No. School me then, Rick. What do I need? Oh, gosh. This is one of those things. You know, you know, I'm no fan of Microsoft, Dave. I, you know, I have my issues, but uh, but you I, can't you can't beat Office. It, for example, you know, we all use Google Docs. But Google Docs can't do a lot of the things that Office can do, so I feel like I'm backed into the corner where I have to subscribe. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's start this conversation off by saying different people have different needs, okay? And if you need Microsoft Office, whether it's for work or it's for school or something like that, then, of course, Microsoft Office you must have. However... For, I think I'm going to go ahead and say the vast majority of people who just need a word processor and a spreadsheet and maybe a presentation manager, even if it's just a look at a slide deck, there are some great 
free alternatives. And, we, you know, this is not a new subject. We, you know, certainly I've written about this for CNET uh, a number of times over the years. But I thought this since we're kind of getting back into school or we're already back into school and I keep getting questions about this quick opportunity to jump in and talk about some of the alternatives. So, Dave, tell me what you're paying for office and what you're getting from office. Okay, so I used to subscribe to the regular office. It was $100 a year, and you got five seats. Five users could use it. I don't need that anymore, so now I have the personal version, which is $70 a year. It's three seats, and it gives me a terabyte of OneDrive, which I find essential because I use OneDrive for all sorts of things. And all of the usual Office apps, including Word, PowerPoint, OneNote, and so on. So with the exception of OneDrive, and let's circle back to that because there are any number of cloud storage services that you can get for free or cheap, you basically cited the big three, the word processing, spreadsheet, presentations. Don't forget also Outlook because I have been an Outlook user for 20 years. All right, so we're, we're going to have to put a pin in that as well because that's a separate conversation. I do want to come back to that. But for you or anybody else who just needs word processing, spreadsheet, and presentation, which I call the big three, there are lots of different options, lots of different ways you can go. For one thing, some people don't know this, but Microsoft has an online version, a browser-based version of Microsoft Office, which is absolutely free. Are you, are you familiar with this? I am, but there's no way on earth I'm going to do mission-critical work in a web browser. That's, it's just I'm not going to write a 2,000-word article in a web browser. Um, you know, I, I get that. You, you and I are of a certain age where we're, we're accustomed to having software on our computer that does a dedicated task. But I really think that, it's, and especially the younger generation, you know, they live in an online world. They live in their browser and on their phone or whatever. You know, Chromebooks is entirely, almost entirely browser-based. So for one thing, it's just kind of changing a way of thinking, especially if you're an older user. But Office Online exists. It gives you the basic core functions of Word and Excel and PowerPoint and Outlook, I might add. There's, of course, also Google Docs, which I th anybody who already has a Gmail uh, account, you have access to Google Docs and Google Drive free of charge. You can get virtually everything done that you need to get done with those tools, I think. And, and here's, here's where I think you and I are going to differ. Let me ask you this. Would you agree with the statement that for most users, most everyday run-of-the-mill users, that the feature set in Microsoft Office is overkill? Yeah, by orders of magnitude, for sure. I used to work at Microsoft, right? Um, if you didn't realize, Rick, I used to work at Microsoft. And <laughs> That's the first I'm hearing of it. One of the problems that, you know, I worked in Windows, so but I, I was close enough to the folks that worked on the Office team that I saw their pain on a regular basis, and they struggled with the fact that Office had been packed with so many features that discoverability, making people aware of what features Office had and how to find them was a big problem, which is why this was back, what, in the 2003, 2004 timeframe, I guess, they introduced the ribbon. And I know at the time, people hated the ribbon so much, but the whole purpose of the ribbon was to expose the thousands of features that Office had in a way that people could get at it. And I think what we learned is that, yeah, you can find those features now, but people still don't need them. 
Exactly. And so that brings us now to our conversation about Outlook, which um, for those people who may not know what Outlook is, is is a is a email client and a and a contact manager and a calendar tool and, and all that sort of thing that we used to call a, a PIM, a personal information manager. This is something else that I think is is pretty well died off uh, for most people um, and is just kind of not necessary anymore but you said you still use it as your mail client is there some reason that you don't just say use use gmail or use outlook online in a browser so i am juggling four or five different email accounts most of them are web-based but a couple of them are imap and I need to be able to switch between them. I don't want to have a unified inbox that is just email vomit all in one place. And importantly, I just like the way Outlook works. I like its features. I like the interface and having all of my different email accounts in different places. That's a fair assessment. And and I will agree with you that if you have multiple email accounts that you're juggling, some kind of desktop mail client is absolutely worth having. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll admit, I'll cop to, uh, you know, needing that myself because trying to use Gmail in a browser is just a horrific experience. So let's just, let me just mention then, if you're going to look at something like Office Online or Google Docs or a couple of the uh, more traditional Office replacements, which we're going to talk about in just one second, you're not going to get Outlook or anything like it. There, there are very few. In fact, there are no Office alternatives that really come with any kind of mail client or contact manager like that. So that's right. just one yeah, for, kind of for the most part. It feels like companies making software abandoned, completely ceded the email space to Microsoft 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and never turned back. You know, there's there's a handful of halfway decent email clients out there, but they don't hold a candle to what Outlook can do. And it amazes me that no one has tried to tackle that space in a meaningful way in decades. Yeah, but you know what? I'm still going to say that, that Outlook, even, even more so than Word and Excel, is just relentless overkill. I, I would say that I use 5% of the features that are available in Outlook. I mean, it's just a mail manager for me. I don't use it as a contact manager. I don't use the calendaring features because all that stuff has migrated to my phone. And I just don't need it in, in Outlook anymore. So I, I still am kind of grappling with you know, how many people are, are really care about Outlook or, or having something like it? All right. So let's talk about the, the local solutions, by which I mean software that you actually download and install on your PC, uh, much like you do uh, traditional Microsoft Office. If this is the kind of thing that you still need and you still want, there are a couple that I recommend. Uh, before I give my recommendations, Dave, have you have you checked any of these out in recent years? Because, you know, we used to we used to talk about this stuff a lot. Yeah, I used to review office suites all the time back when these reviews were printed on paper. You would go out, you'd hunt down a tree, you'd drag it back to the to the cave, you'd skin it alive, and then you'd turn that into paper that became magazines. I, I'm approximating my description <laughs> for you. So I was doing that in a loincloth, too, and using a spear. <laughs> so I, I think the last time I looked at any of this was a couple of years ago, and LibreOffice seemed reasonably good 
a reasonably good facsimile of Office and was a really solid tool. So if I was going to make the switch today, it would probably, barring more research, be LibreOffice. The last time I looked at LibreOffice, um, and admittedly, it was a little while ago, but it was a really impressive, comprehensive, straightforward word processor, spreadsheet, presentation manager. It gets the job done. And you're not going to get lost because the interface is very Office-like. It is, but it's, I believe it's more like the traditional older office interface. If you want something that has a, a ribbon facsimile, something more similar to modern Microsoft Office, I would recommend checking out WPS Office. That actually stands for uh, Word Processing Presentations and Spreadsheets, WPS Office. We'll have links to this and all the other stuff uh, in the show notes, of course. So I first this first came on my radar a couple years ago, and I was immediately impressed by the design. The interface for WPS Office is really slick. It's very reminiscent of Microsoft Office with the ribbon type of uh, type of design, and it just works really well. So the caveat with WPS Office is that it's it's feature limited in a couple of areas. For example, if you want to create a PDF, there might be an ad you have to look at within the software before you can create the PDF. Oh, that's painful. Uh, uh, it is a little bit. Um, you know, again, it's the kind of thing you might not even encounter uh, all that often or at all. But if you're willing to live, I mean, you know, they got to pay the bills for these things, these these companies. So. If you're willing to live with that, at the very least, check out WPS Office because I think it's definitely one of the more impressive options out there. I want to get to my key question, which is if I'm not going to pay $70 to Microsoft every year to get all of those tools plus my terabyte of OneDrive, what do I do, Rick? What am I going to do for my terabyte of OneDrive? (laughs) Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Can't you just get a terabyte of OneDrive on its own? 100 gigabytes is $2 a month. Okay, so that's pretty cheap. But how do you actually fill that terabyte, Dave? Like, how much stuff are you backing up? Well, I think I'm using about half of it right now. I use it as a, a public folder for sharing things with other editors. So I'll put images in there and documents, and the images really take up a lot of space. I guess if I house cleaned, I could trim that down quite a bit, but I think I'm running around 500 gigabytes right now in my usage. Everyone's going to have different needs when it comes to this stuff. You know, it's so funny how we used to chase after backups. You know, we had to do local backups and online backups for all of our documents. And now I just feel like the stuff that I write in Word, which is actually not very much anymore, everything is done in a, you know, online in a browser and a, in a content management system. You know, it's all backed up to the cloud and I don't bother with local backups. Every picture I take on my phone is automatically backed up. All my contacts are backed up. So, what do I even need this online storage for except all my legacy Word documents from 20 years ago? I just... Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't need, honestly, I don't need to be able to back up documents so much anymore. But what I do need the space for is I'm neurotic about having good backups of my photos. And I back up all of my photos to like three or four different services and, wow. you know, to OneDrive, to Dropbox, uh, to Apple's, whatever the heck that thing is called. So there's all of that, plus my music. And, you know, we've talked about this before. I have probably the equivalent of five or 600 CDs all stored in digital form, and I have multiple backups of that as well. 
<laughs> so, Dave, I'm going to say this in a, in a way that I mean to sound kind, but you're reminding me of my parents now because, <laughs> you know, my, my parents have had a, a, a Microsoft Office subscription for several years as well. And I keep trying to get them off of it and onto one of these freebie items. But you know what? Sometimes it's just easier to stick with what you have and with what works for you as opposed to the complexity of, you know, sure, you're going to save money, but you also have to, you know, transition over to, you know, this is new and now you're saving your stuff there and it's confusing. So all, all of this is to say that if, if you're paying for Microsoft Office, there are free alternatives. There's going to be some transition work involved in making the move, but it can be done and you can save yourself that 70 or $100 a year, which I definitely recommend investigating. But ultimately, I would love, we would love to hear from you folks and let us know what you're currently doing with regard to any kind of office suite. It's local, it's online. What are you doing? Let us know. Reach out to us at Cheapskate Show at cbsinteractive.com. Dave, I have a, a problem, and it is super annoying. Will you help me solve it? That's what I'm here for, Rick. That is the okay. only reason I'm here. Dave, I wear a mask. I'm a responsible citizen, okay? I'm doing the work, but I also wear glasses, and I don't think I have found any kind of mask that doesn't fog up my glasses when I'm walking around. And I don't understand how we are living with this as a society. Doesn't everybody have this problem? It's funny because I kind of tolerated this problem for months. For the last six months, I've just lived with it until the other day I realized I don't have to live with this anymore. Why? I was thinking I mean, about the fact that I'm a, I'm a scuba diver, right? Whenever I'm getting ready to go in the water, I put defogger fluid in my mask so that way, you know, my scuba mask, so that way it doesn't fog up when I'm underwater. And I thought, well, wait a minute. If there's defogging fluid for scuba masks, why isn't there something I can put on my glasses? So I did what anyone would do. I went on Amazon and I just did a search for anti-fog things for glasses and i found all kinds of stuff little like one ounce two ounce jars of anti-fog fluid for 10 15 so i just picked one at random got it and it works it actually works you just apply it to the glasses and it's good for a day or so so you know you go outside two or three times during the day just one application keeps your glasses from fogging up Oh, you are my new hero. If this if this works as you say it does, I'm going to erect a statue to you. I expect to see that statue right here in L.A. <laughs> no, it's going to be in Michigan. You're going to have to come visit it. <laughs> uh, there's a link to the story that you wrote, which in turn has links to the various Amazon products that you listed. But I am all in. You've got one here that's like 11 bucks and uh, comes that's with a lens That's the one I clean. tried. Yeah, yeah so... I, let, let me just point out, just to clarify, that I didn't do a ton of research. I looked at a, a few products, and I picked one that was inexpensive, and I figured I'll try it and see. So there wasn't a lot of science behind my choice here. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know you did a, a totally half-assed job in checking out this product. <laughs> That's me. That said, I'm looking at the description uh, for this, and it. my first concern is, was, is this going to be safe for my lenses? Because, you know, I've got this coating and that special thing and whatever, and I don't want to ruin any of that. And it says that it's it's safe for 
all the things. So um, I am absolutely going to try this out because, man, that is driving me bonkers, and uh, I'm really excited that there's a product that may help. I'm really anxious to see if you have the same good experience that I had with it, and I'd love to know if any... Because I feel like I'm kind of an idiot, because it took me this long to think of trying this, but I'd like to know, is there anybody out there listening to the podcast that tried it before I thought of it and has a foolproof product or way of keeping their glasses defogged. Yes. So once again, one last time, here's the address where you can send your thoughts and ideas and suggestions and all that stuff. It's cheapskate show at cbsinteractive.com. And thank you for joining us, everyone, on this episode. We'll be back next week with more deals and money-saving advice. In the meantime, you can find daily deals by visiting cnet.com slash cheapskate and following us on Twitter at Cheapskate Blog or Facebook at Cheapskate Rick. So until next time, be kind to each other, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay cheap. <laughs>